1: Hi, everybody. I'm Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, and welcome to Small Biz Chat Live. Now, Small Biz Chat Live is a peer-to-peer interview show that gives small business owners a way to get and share invaluable business advice. The mission of Small Biz Chat is to end small business failure. And we've been doing this thing 11 years and we're not going to stop anytime soon. We all know right now we are living in perilous times and we need motivation, inspiration, and good ideas. And that is what we have for you tonight. You know, our goal at Small Biz Chat is to give you information, sage advice that's going to take your business to the next level. Tonight's guest is our leadership expert, Scott Miller. He's from Franklin Covey, and he's going to talk to us about how to go from management mess to leadership success. I love to say that, by the way. So with that, I am very excited to welcome, his name is Scott Miller, and he's the executive vice president and chief marketing officer of Franklin Covey. But I've invited him here tonight because he's the author of the new book, Management Mess to Leadership Success. He's worked for Franklin Covey for 24 years. He started when he was 12, I think. Anyway, <laughs> Scott hosts one of the world's largest and fastest-growing podcasts devoted to leadership. It's called On Leadership. He's also the author of many books, including his latest, Management Mess to Leadership Success, 30 Challenges to Become the Leader You Would Follow. All right, Scott, welcome to Small Biz Chat Live.
0: Melinda, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the platform.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was really excited actually to invite you to be on after I read a little bit about your book and I was excited to get to know more about you. And I really thought that what you talk about would really benefit my audience. And the reason why is because I think as small business owners, you know, we work on our negotiating skills, we work on our marketing, we might even take sales training, but leadership is something that we don't clue into, I think, until a little bit later on in your business when your business is more mature, because we don't know, I don't know the value of working on leadership super early in the business because you're like kind of in survival mode in the first few years. So the first thing I really wanted to ask you about is this concept of, okay, we're currently in a time of crisis. You know, people are trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Customers are not paying invoices. If you have employees, if you furloughed them, now you got this money. People are not wanting to come back because they'd rather stay on unemployment. I mean, you've got a lot of stuff going on out here, and small business owners are challenged with how to be a courageous leader facing a global pandemic. And I and I really kind of wanted to talk to you about that because people don't know what to do.
0: Well that's for sure. I think it's it's appropriate and and fine to be scared. I think part of being a courageous person is being relatable. Part of being a courageous leader is being vulnerable. I think one of the talents that all business leaders should rally around right now is Having high courage conversations with your clients, with your customers, with your staff, speaking with a consistent voice, making sure that you're declaring your intent and that there's no confusion around what your expectations are or theirs. I love this quote from one of our founders, and that is, nearly all, if not all, conflict in life comes from mismatched or unfulfilled expectations. So as a leader, I think just now more than ever, when you show courage, it might show up in different ways. It might show up in fear. It might show up in scarcity. Your self-awareness around how you're responding to that is super important to how you treat your employees, your customers, your vendors, and how they treat you back.
1: I agree with you more. So how can we remain resilient and hopeful like to help our teams stay motivated at this time?
0: Yeah, I think one, you know, it'll be easier said on this program than done. But one is to think long-term. I mean, obviously we all have bills that are pressing on us, right? And invoices that aren't being collected and, and people who were furl- furloughing. And so it's hard not to think short-term. But I would say balance your short-term thinking with your long-term thinking. The economy is going to survive. It might just survive differently. So I'd encourage all of your listeners and viewers to be thinking about how are you pivoting? How are you disrupting yourself? What are you doing to prepare the way you've done business for the way you'll need to do business in the future? Because every one of us is going to need to pivot somewhat differently. Another one, as I think, as it relates to all of your team members and your employees, people like leaders who are relatable. People want to know that their leader is also scared. It's okay. I don't think you should project false confidence or project false humility. I think it's very important for everybody in your life to be able to talk to you rationally, reasonably, control your emotions, calibrate your responses, to put put space between stimulus and response, right? Be very thoughtful around how reactive you are. Again, these are easier said than done, but people follow leaders they can trust. I don't need to follow a leader who has unbridled confidence, because usually that's misplaced, right? Usually it's a show or an act. I want to follow who quite frankly admits they're also scared, and that they don't have all the answers and we're going to figure it out together.
1: Well, I mean, so let's switch gears a little bit because I think right now there's a lot of leaders out here who are what you would describe as a management mess. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Not only are their business finances probably a mess, their personal finances are probably a mess too. So so trying to manage how you maintain your household while trying to save your business there's a lot there's a lot going on within within the individual business owner and and trying to apply for PPP loans and and waiting for the response and all you know and then you click on the news and hear that you know 71 publicly traded companies got 300 million dollars of the money that was supposed to come to us you know so there's a lot of there's a lot of angst that that's probably making people react very emotionally you know in in the workplace. And and I wanted to kind of talk about, you know, is any leader a a management mess? Like do we all kind of start out a mess and then we grow up and become big business leaders and then we're better? Like, you know, how does it work that you 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 go from being a mess to a, a leadership success?
0: I think every leader has a mess going on in their lives. In their marriage with their kids, and their with their accounts payable, accounts receivable. So let's let's kind of level set it. Everyone has a mess in some part of their life. And I think the sooner that you own your mess, that you that you recognize that you're not a perfect leader, everything's not perfect, you can't control everything, the sooner you own your own mess, the sooner you make it easier for other people to own theirs around you. So I'd argue that the first challenge in my book is called Demonstrate Humility. I mean, I'll do that right now. You know, like your guest as well on today's program, I host a podcast. I have some bestselling authors. I'm an officer in a public company. I spent a half an hour this morning with my private school kids' headmaster renegotiating my tuition payments. 'Cause I'm gonna be behind on them, right? My stop by sixty percent in the last thirty days and there'll be no bonus coming to the Miller family this year. My income's gonna be cut by a significant amount. Mm-hmm. I got a mess going on when it comes to some of my bills, right? I- I'm gonna have to probably pay one of my mortgages payments a bit later, have it moved on. So I think I'm right here on your program right now saying I've got a mess going on. And some people might think that, you know, the more successful you are, the less messes you have. No, the more messes you have, the more successful you are.
1: I believe, well, I'm a would, famous, I believe there's a famous rapper who said more money, more problems. I, don't I know. think I don't so. Know. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think that's great. I think now is the time to demonstrate humility, Now is the time to be really honest and transparent and vulnerable. Call up your mortgage company. Call up your lenders. Call up your landlord. Tell the truth. Talk straight. Have a high courage conversation. Talk about your situation that you're in. Everyone is in the same situation to some degree or another. That will, I think, create such currency with you and in the person that you owe or perhaps who who owes you. I have people who owe me that are calling me money or calling me saying they can't pay. I understand. Let's talk about it. What does it look like? I think think the silver lining in this crisis is going to be leaders are going to own their messes. They're going to make it safe for others to own theirs. And everybody's going to reset their priorities a little bit on what's most important in life. We're already seeing it happening around the world.
1: Well, I think it's remarkable what has happened around the world, right? Because it's not like... Italy is in a worse situation than the United States. I mean, or or Nigeria is in a worse situation than the United States. I actually had a conversation with a colleague in Nigeria earlier today, and she was like, you know, Melinda, she said, for once, Africa's not the one taking the hit. You know what I'm saying? I was like, you know what? You're right. I mean, she said, we've been through Ebola. We've been through, you know, Asia. Yeah. Right. Like, for once, it did start here. They can't blame us. Like, you know. <laughs> like, we only got 300 cases in Legos. How about that? You know, you guys got 70,000 people died in America. I'm like, I know. I know. So it's like, it's become the great equalizer, if you will.
0: Yeah. But yeah. I
1: I, I want to talk about this concept of like, what do bad bosses do? Because I think we all yeah. have
0: this concept. Yeah. Of,
1: you know, what do good bosses do? They're great. They buy ice cream for everybody. They orders, okay. Well, what do bad bosses do? Because I really want people to kind of understand and hear this so that they might be able to course correct and really kind of understand maybe some of their own behaviors.
0: And sure. I'd say three or four things. I think bad bosses have low self-awareness. I don't think anybody wakes up deciding they're going to be a bad boss. I, I want to diminish you today or I'm going to humiliate you. I mean, that's a sociopath. They exist, but the vast, vast majority of bad bosses don't wake up deciding to be jerks. They usually have poor self-awareness. They have low self-esteem. What Dr. Covey, our founder, would say is they have a low private victory. I think there's easy things that they can do to circumvent that. One is, if you want to move from being a bad boss to being a good boss, you recognize that as a leader, your job is to get work done with and through other people. That you are not the smartest person in the room. That you're not the genius at everything. That your job is to be the genius maker of other people. Therefore, if your job is to get work done with and through other people, you see your role differently. You see your job as coach, as mentor. You become more patient. You slow down. You take the time to communicate the why behind the what. You set goals that are winnable for people, that you coach people continuously in ways that best work for them and may be different for each people. You know, Melinda, the research shows in Harvard Business Review that the average age that someone is promoted, to be a manager in America is age 30. and the average age they receive their first leadership development training, age 42. There's a 12-year span of otherwise good people that are wrecking havoc across corporate cultures. I think the same is to be said in small businesses, right? Because you are an entrepreneur at heart, because you are an inventor, because you are a risk-taker, does not mean you're a great leader of people. People don't come out of the womb being airline pilots or anesthesiologists. Why would we have the standard less for leaders? So I would say not everyone should be a leader, but if you are going to be a leader, there are some consistent things you should be thinking about, and one is, are you a maximizer or are you a diminisher? And so I think bad leaders can be turned into great leaders with a bit of self-awareness and only asking themselves, how do I want to be treated? What kind of boss do I want to work for? You know, I want to work for someone who's kind, generous- has a high standard that gives me courageous feedback and calls out my blind spots, sits me down and tells me when I'm doing things that are crazy. great tip if you a great tip. If you, want, if you are, if, if you are in, the, in the market to be a better leader, go around to the people who work with you or work for you and say, hey, what's it like to be in a meeting with me? What's it like to work on a project with me? What's it like to have me as your leader? And then go home to your partner or spouse and say, hey, what's it like to be married to me? You'll learn a lot. And don't just ask those who like you, ask those who dislike you. Who are the detractors in your world? Because they're the ones who are likely to be the most courageous to you.
1: I agree with that. And Scott, you're on fire. I hate to stop you, but we gotta go to break. But when we come back, I'm gonna ask Scott about what is his biggest business disaster that he created. I'm Melinda Emerson. We will be right back. Hi, I'm Melinda Emerson, Small Biz Lady. I know you might be thinking about quitting your business and going back into corporate America, but wait, before you give up, my new book, Fix Your Business, could give you a whole new lease on life. My 12 Ps of running a successful business will walk you through step-by-step how to grow your business revenue, how to hire great people, and streamline your processes, and so much more. Grab a copy today of Fix Your Business and get your life back. Welcome back to Small Biz Chat Live. I'm Melinda Emerson, Small Biz Lady, your host. And I'm so excited to be here with Scott Miller. He is Executive Vice President, and Chief Marketing Officer of Franklin Covey. And he's got a new book out Management Mess to Leadership Success. All right, I got to hear it. I want to hear your biggest crazy story of how you just blew a leadership opportunity.
0: Well, it's hard to decide because there's 30 of them I share in the book, right? I mean, they're all pretty salacious, quite frankly. I think the one that I think is the most helpful for people was during my role as the chief marketing officer, I realized that I needed to be the smartest person in the room. There was a joke that went around that said, best idea wins as long as it's Scott's. And I'm not sure it was a joke. And so I really had to do some self-introspection around why did I have to be the most creative, the most talented, the most educated. And I think that resulted, Melinda, in me recruiting people around me that were not the most talented in the world. I was threatened by them. I wasn't secure enough to actually recruit people and retain them that would eclipse my skills. So I think I actually did the company and our and our clients a bit of a disservice because I, for whatever reason, wasn't confident enough wasn't humble enough to recruit people who were the most talented SEO experts or the world's best Google Analytics or the best digital designer. And as I matured, I realized, well, that's my job. My job is to be a talent magnet. I think a lot of small business owners can relate. You aren't supposed to be the smartest person in the room. Your job is to set the conditions for others to unleash their creativity and bring their best talent and be comfortable not being the genius, but rather, as I said earlier, the genius maker of others.
1: All right. So if I, if you had to boil down your 30 lessons in your book to your top three things you want people to learn, you just gave me one really good one, but give me three more.
0: I think declare your intent. Where there is suspicion, people make stuff up, right? When people f- suspect you of having an agenda, they're going to treat you that way. So be very clear in all of your conversations to declare your intent. Another one I think is understanding the difference between being efficient and being effective. A lot of high producing, high, highly successful entrepreneurs are very efficient people. They're very productive, but you cannot be efficient with relationships, with people slow as fast and fast is slow, got to slow down. The third one I would say was having high courage conversations. As a leader beyond recruiting, retaining talent, one of your most important contributions is to have the courage to move outside your comfort zone and discuss the undiscussables with the people who work with you. Might be on their technical talent, might be their collaboration, might be their self-awareness. Whatever it is, you owe it to them to have these high courage conversations. The longer you let them linger, the more, they, the more they, they, they become issues.
1: I see, I see. All right, last question for you. What is the best advice you could give a small business owner right now who wants to be a better leader?
0: Don't over-communicate. I think you can over-communicate. The more you talk, the more you say things that are confusing. So be very deliberate, be very concise with, with your vendors, with your, your loan officer, with your employees, with your clients. Don't just be extemporaneous and make it up on the fly. We see this happening a lot in politics today, and it's quite unsettling. You can over-communicate. Talk consistently. Talk clearly. Be vulnerable. Own your mess. People are really gravitating towards those who are truthful and transparent. People want to help people who are trustworthy. Talk straight. Don't make stuff up
1: love it. I love it. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on Small Biz Chat Live. I can't wait to finish reading your book. I've started it. I want to finish it because I want to be a better leader too, all right? Tell me, what is your favorite podcast, favorite podcast?
0: Anything from Seth Godin. You know, Seth Godin is a famous leadership author. And so I'm a big fan of Seth's, you know, This Is Marketing book. And Seth's got a great podcast as well. So say Seth Godin.
1: Tell me what's your favorite business app.
0: You know, I have to tell you, I don't have one. I mean, I have, you know, the apps on my phone are downloaded from my three sons. I mean, I got so much going on, parenting, and I'm a 60-hour week officer in a company teaching at my church, used to at least. Podcast, radio program, books. I read an article for Inc. magazine. Girl, I ain't got no time for apps. <laughs> I mean, I got a I got a Star Wars app. I think I got like a Fortnite app. I got there's no apps that are business. Sorry. Show me up, John. What app do you have? You have four kids. Good grief. (laughs) Business app.
1: All right, Scott, what do you got for me? What is your favorite old school marketing tip?
0: Yeah, well said, John. I I mean, that's obvious. You win. Sorry, Jennifer, you can beat me, but I think it's great. I think relationships are everything. I think the further up we get in the organization, the more we are ensconced in our office, on our fifth floor, the more we have people doing things for us. Get out of your office. Get out. Get out the old-fashioned way, face-to-face, obviously, when the, you know, the world is back, reset again. But you know people make this mistake. They think that people are your most valuable asset in a company. It's not true. People are not your most valuable asset. It's the relationships between your people that are your organization's killer app. And it's the relationships with your vendors, your clients, your suppliers, everybody around you. Take your time and get back. Move out of your office. Go out and meet with your people.
1: What's your favorite business
0: book? Yeah, The One Thing for sure. This concept of goal setting to the now is transformative on focus and getting what you want to happen, not just five years, one year, one month, one week, one day, right now. This concept by Jay Papazana and Gary Keller and The the One Thing, the big idea is goal setting to the now, absolutely transformative for making your goals come true.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. My favorite business book though is The E Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, which is is one of my all-time favorites. I have many. If you know if my house ever burned down, I'd be like, save my son and please save my books. But definitely, you know, my my favorite is that oldie but goodie by Michael Gerber. Well, listen, thank you all so very much. I wanna leave you all with this. You never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. If you want to learn more about my guest tonight, head over to my blog, SucceedIsYourOwnBoss.com. I am Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, and I will see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. For more resources and small business success strategies, visit SucceedIsYourOwnBoss.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday.